Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy! Well, I I want to, uh, again, welcome you to uh, week number one of our brand new message series. The title of our message series is this, What Would Jesus Undo? What Would Jesus Undo? Uh, How many remember the bracelets, or you had one, uh, the WWJD? Come on, how many got it on? Yeah, they came back in style, by the way. I forgot to steal one from my daughter this morning and wear it. She's got every color of them. But uh, that's what this series is uh, based on. And here's where um, the whole WWJD came from. There's some history. It it, it came from a a pastor in 1896 named Charles Sheldon, Sheldon rather. And he wrote this book titled In His Steps. And uh, he went on to sell more than 30 million copies of this book. And in this book, the pastor talked about how all people are faced with circumstances and different life situations. And in each situation, he would ask the question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? W-W-J-D. And so a hundred years or so later, the movement was birthed. In the late uh, 90s, come on, where are all my 90s people at? Where are all my 90s hip-hop people at? Holla, holla, the real Christians. Um, I'm saying, but you know what, little biggie. Um, uh, Anyway, let's stay focused. And and so this movement would turn into the bracelets and the t-shirts and and so forth. And it was really big in the 90s, and and now it's came back. Uh, is actually really big right now, and you can find those bracelets everywhere. But what I want to do in this series, in this series, is ask the question: What would Jesus undo in our lives? What What are some things, some attitudes, some ways of living that we find in the red letters of Scripture? The red letters are the words that Jesus spoke. What are some things that are that are, that we need to cut out of our life? And and so. Uh, what, what are the things in the red letters that broke his heart? The, the things that he was uh, dissatisfied with in the life of his followers. And, and so I, I believe he has a lot to say. We're going we're gonna to tackle four different things that Jesus wants to undo in our lives that maybe we've allowed in. And he says, hey, as my followers, I'm going to warn you against these things. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to give you that nudge. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That Holy Spirit nudge that we feel once in a while. And I, I believe that, that he's going to speak to us. So here's what I want you to do. I want to take your right hand and just put it over your heart and say this. Holy Spirit, speak to me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to talk about, talk about today the first thing that Jesus wants to undo in our life, and it's this, spiritual indifference. Spiritual indifference. In the book of Revelation, we find that the first three chapters uh, are actually letters to seven different churches. 
John was, the apostle John was on the island of Patmos, the Bible says, being persecuted for his faith. And it's funny, uh, Nero put him on this island because there was no other, there was nobody living there but the wild beast and animals and thought that they would devour him. But actually, while on the island, he pins the book of Revelation because he has this personal encounter with Jesus and he's speaking to him about many things that are to come in the end times. So we, we, we think of the book of Revelation as Christians and we think it's just an end times book and the majority of it is, but the first three chapters, Jesus takes a moment to address some current churches in those days. And really, there are addresses of, of, hey, you're doing this right, but I need you to work on this. And out of the seven churches, the church of Laodicea was the church that he came down on the hardest. He was like, listen, I got something going on here, and I need to address this. And so he begins to address the church of Laodicea, and that's that's the church we're going to talk about today, a church kind of like Fuel Church, right? Uh, people were attending every week. People were in groups. Come on, somebody. They had the coffee going at the He Brews Cafe. Yeah. Same jokes, different service. You still laugh, so I'm going to keep saying them. But the church of Laodicea were like, yeah, whatever, when it comes to their spirituality. Yeah, whatever. Eh. Come on, how many got teenagers? What do you want to eat? Eh. What do you, where do you want to go? Eh. What, what is that word? It's not in the dictionary. I don't know what you mean. Talk to me. Well, they were kind of like that when it came to their spirituality. Eh. Eh. Whatever. They were attending church, but they were spiritually indifferent. They were spiritually cold. Um, now, the church of Laodicea was in a town which is now modern-day Turkey. Okay? This was a city that was very powerful and had some wealth coming into it. So they had just rebuilt the city after an earthquake destroyed it. So 35 years earlier, from when we find Jesus writing this letter in the book of Revelation, they had an earthquake that destroyed the whole city. It was around 60 AD. And so they had rebuilt that for those 35 years leading up to our text here. And they, they rebuilt this city very strong. They put in stadiums and they put in uh, theaters and they put in shopping centers. And, and it was located at a major crossroads between several cities. So it made it uh, a city of com- a commercial city that had a lot of banking industry in it. And so f- from looking outside, it looked like this city had it all together. Uh, one commentary uh, said this. It was like a, a modern day Dubai is what this city was like. And so in that city, you had this church in the, in, right in the middle of this city. On the outside, it looked like everything was good, but they had one major problem in this city of Laodicea. The problem was they did not have ad- adequate water supply in the city. So what they had to do was 10 miles from the south, they had to bring the cold water from a city called Colossal, And it would come down the pipes 10 miles to get to Laodicea. But then six miles to the north would come the the hot water provided from a city called Hierapolis. But by the time it got to Laodicea, both the cold water and the hot water was now lukewarm. It was lukewarm. 
It was lukewarm. The cold water became lukewarm and the hot water also became lukewarm. So Jesus, being the amazing communicator he is, uh, writes to this community to talk about their spiritual indifference and uses words that they would understand in their context. So we pick up our text in Revelation 3, verse 15 and 16. The words are in red, so that means Jesus is speaking. It says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Wow, Jesus, some harsh words there, right? For his church, for his church. Jesus saying, I I know your deeds. I I know how you're doing spiritually. I actually know all things because I'm Jesus and I'm awesome like that. I know your struggles. Actually, I know what you did last summer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know how you're living And what Jesus was saying to this church, similar to Fuel Church, is this. You you are spiritually detached. You, you, You are spiritually stale. You are spiritually indifferent. And after all that I've done for you, after all that I have done for you, the cross paying for you, bankrupting heaven to come down to earth, the man that knew no sin became sin so that we could be free. After all that I've done for you, You are indifferent towards me spiritually. And I never intended for my followers to be indifferent. I always intended for them to be passionate, to live this life of Christianity following me with passion, zeal, and fire. But because you're so indifferent towards me and the things of God, I'm actually getting nauseous and sick to my stomach to the point where I'm about to throw up. Because I had never intended my followers to live this way. It was never part of the redemption plan. It was always to follow me fervently. It was always to live a life following with passion and zeal. He didn't tell them that they had blatantly denied him. But what he was saying is, your faith in me doesn't affect the way you live anymore. You're living different than the design that I have for my father. It's not the best life for you to live. And I got a better way for you to live. Your faith just doesn't affect the way you live anymore. The way you make decisions, where you go, who you hang out with, the places you're, the environments you're allowing yourself into. You've become spiritually indifferent towards me. Hmm? You're saved. You're, you're on your way to heaven. But I got a better life than just that. I want you to experience days of heaven here on earth. I want you to be the light shining to the broken, hurting, lost people that you work with and live with. So these Christians had been lulled into spiritual complacency. Oh, they were in church, but Jesus said, you're lukewarm. Oh, they were on a team, but Jesus said, 
You've become lukewarm. This is not the design. When I had the church in mind, when I established the church, ecclesia is the Greek word. It means the called out ones, the church. When I designed my church, I called you out of something to bring you in to something greater that you could never do on your own or by yourself. I feel my help coming right here. I want to submit to you two causes of spiritual indifference. There are many. For time's sake, I'm going to submit two. Number one is self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. The next verse, Jesus identifies this. Look, Revelation 3.17. He's speaking to the church. He says, hey, church people, you guys say I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and I really don't need anything. We're good. Hey, Jesus, life is good now. We went through tragedy. The earthquake took everything, but we rebuilt. We got better jobs. Man, our kids are in good schools. We got the minivan we were believing for. We're ready. We're good. But you do not realize, Jesus says, that you are wretched. You're pitiful. You're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. He's speaking spiritually to them. You're naked spiritually. You've lost something that you once had. You used to have it, but now I need to address it. Can I pause for the cause for a moment and thank God that he addresses us in love? Because my Bible says he corrects those that he loves. And he disciplines those he's loved. If you got into Christianity just to hear a bunch of fluff that makes you feel good, you're in the wrong place. You need to go to bingo night at the country club. <laughs> Jesus is saying to them, you don't, you don't realize. You don't realize. You, you think you're good. You think you don't need me or anyone else because you got a little money now. You got a little house with a little two-car garage. Come on now. You got a little 401k now. You can go out to eat when you want. You're good. You're good. And there is this attitude that can come on us that we're good. And, you know, my ticket's punched and cool. I'm on my way to heaven. And, and now I'm just living for self and not really Jesus. And I, I got the house that I was believing for. I got the car I, that I want. I got the newest phone. And, and, and I even can order stuff on Amazon Prime and it's at my house in 48 hours or less. I mean, I ordered something the other day and it came in two hours. Like, what are you guys doing? Camping out in my neighborhood? Just got a truck full of stuff. My vitamins show up two hours later. I'm like, God is good. I mean, we can get so entitled and spoiled as Christians. I mean, we got every, you know, media subscription under the sun now. Netflix and Hulu and you know, I mean, we, we're good. We, we, I mean, do we really need God? Do, do we really need all this Jesus stuff? Is it that serious, pastor, that I really need to be in a group? Is it that serious that, that I need to be a contributor? Like, do I need that? And we have material stuff, but we are spiritually bankrupt. We're full of things of the world, but we're lacking what truly matters. You know, a lot of us are... I see people, their lives are full of stuff, but empty of meaning. Got a lot of stuff. I know a lot of wealthy people got a lot of stuff, but no meaning in life. 
And some of you out there, if I could just get to that level, no, you don't want to get there. It'll ruin you. It'll ruin you. I know some of the most miserable people that are wealthy people. It's ruined them. And I'm not against wealth and things. You, you, if you've been around here, you know. The Bible says it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. When you fall in love with money, we need money. Come on, we need money to preach the gospel. We need money to build more campuses all over the world. Pakistan and other countries are waiting on us. Oh, we got vision for 10 campuses in Indiana. We only got two right now. We got eight more to go before Jesus returns. There's only one thing stopping us, money. It's just money, right? But when we fall in love with it, Jesus says, hey, no, no, no. I, I want to be first. I, I don't want to be second. Or th- I want to be number one in your life. Number one, self-sufficiency. Number two is the distractions of this world. So many things and people distracting us from our purpose. I mean, so much activity going on and this and that. And then so many worries, right? How many worries did you face this week? I know I faced my fair share. Financial stuff and stuff with my family. Worries and worries and worries. And I'm just trying so hard. I, uh, so hard on this. I wrote it out on a sticky note. I like sticky notes. I don't know if you knew that. And I wrote it out. I said, Jacob. Don't allow your worry to be louder than your worship. I have it posted in my office because I tend to worry. And I tend to not go to God first when that worry comes. And I'm just trying my best just to worship first instead of worry. Because I know I can't do both. I'll either worry or I'll worship, but I can't do both. And so Mark's gospel. Is this okay today? Okay. Mark. 419 says this, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in. And what do they do? They choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Like life happens, right? And we're in church and we're like the church of Laodicea and we're showing up, but, and we're hearing the word and we made some spiritual commitments. Come on. And we're taking our next steps and then boom, life happens. Kid gets sick. Lose our job. Come on. Get a bad report. Car breaks down. And when the car breaks down, something else is about to break. It's either the washer or the microwave or the fridge or the ice. Come on, somebody. I had three things. We had three things break down. Like, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, devil, you a liar. You're going to attack my ice machine? I'll go buy, buy bag dice then and pour it in the ice machine. It'll still come out. Devil, you a liar. Y'all are laughing, but that's what I did. And, 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 and the, the distractions come and bills got to get paid and we got to be at places, places to be. And we got people to meet. And the next thing you know, our schedules are so packed that we don't have any time for God or spiritual matters in our life. We're busy. We're busy. It's not like we don't care. We just got distracted. Like, we know we should attend the house of God. We know we need it. We feel better every time we leave this place because our faith is building. Our faith is growing. And we would go outside these doors, we're being hit with fear, 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 fear. So the more fear we hear, the more our faith is eroded. But the more faith we hear, the less fear we deal with. Man, I just solved somebody's problem right there. We know we should financially contribute. And there's a lot of people here. You want to give. You want to be a tither like the 10% of our church. (laughs) 10%. 
do all the giving and serving here. You want to, but you just can't because you stretch yourself financially. You've got so many subscriptions and so many things that your money's out of whack. And then we have resources to put you on budgets, but some people don't want to budget because they don't want to change. Are we in the good book today? Okay, I'm just making sure. You know I love you, right? Have I told you lately that I love you? I love you, church. And so the distractions of this world, we know we should be in a group, but we just can't. Our schedules are too busy. We pack too much in. And so we've grown spiritually cold. And uh, what I see in the American church, American Christianity at large, is there are a lot of people who claim to be a Christian who just have a little bit of Jesus. This is the sad part for me as a, Christ, as a pastor. Knowing that one day I'll stand before God on what I taught you and preached to you and I have to preach the hard things of the gospel because it's right and it's truth. And we don't, we don't change truth. We don't alter truth. Uh, I don't change the word to fit my life. I change my life to fit the word. So this right here doesn't change. All the culture changes and laws change and society changes. People say, well, what do you think about this, pastor? Well, let's go to the book. Doesn't matter what I think about it. It matters what God says about it. Don't take what I think about it. This is what God says about it. So we don't change this, but we don't add to it. We don't take away. And what I see is Christianity. They just want enough. People just want enough. Just give me a little bit of Jesus to make me feel better, but not too much that it moves me to actually change my life. Not too much that, that, that I'm passionately pursuing Jesus every day. Just give me a little bit on Sunday and don't ask for anything else. I'll be back the next Sunday, maybe if a better opportunity doesn't come up. Just a little bit of church, not too much, just a little bit of worship, but I don't want to be a fanatic. I don't want to go to work and school and that's that Jesus freak. I don't want to be labeled that. Just a little bit of conviction, but not too much. Just enough to make us feel better about ourselves, but not too much that it actually changes us. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking today because as I've been prepping this word, he's been speaking to me about areas of my life where there's spiritual indifference. And I know if he's speaking to me, he's speaking to you. And so I wrote down six indicators that I found in my walk for the last 26 years, six indicators that I've found that have caused me to live lukewarm and indifferent towards the things of God. And I want to give them to you real quick. Number one, six indicators of lukewarmness is we're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. We're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. In Timothy, he says this, in the last days, people will be lovers of self more than lovers of God. Listen, church, the quickest way, watch this, the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you is to be concerned with what other people think about you. And we can get so enwrapped in that, especially in the world of social media. It's so easy and it'll have you intoxicated on likes and hearts and comments, even grown adults in their forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies. Oh, it's just not a young person thing. I see adults looking like they're in the third grade on social media. 
trying to impress people that don't know them, that don't like them, that they'll never meet in their life. Come on, somebody. Living for likes, but longing for love. Oh, will somebody pay attention to me? Will somebody notice me? I'm trying to impress people. And we're more concerned with impressing and pleasing people than living for God. Hmm? We show our best and hide the rest. Come on, somebody. I just need to tell you another thing about this impressing people is that your net worth doesn't equal your self-worth. And so some of you think, oh, because maybe you didn't ever have money, you got to show now that you got something new and tell the world thinking that it will help your self-worth. Or you come into money and then you think, yeah, no, that's your identity wrapped up in money and things instead of wrapped up in who you are, a child of God first. I'm God's child. I'm God's son. I'm God's daughter. That's where my identity comes from. It doesn't come from culture. It doesn't come from world. It comes from Abba, Father, Daddy. He created me before I was in my mother's womb, and he made me perfectly the way I am. So why should I think about or even listen about changing the way I am? Because the creator creates, and he don't make no mistakes. He don't make no mistakes. Number two. We're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. Six indicators of lukewarmness that I've found in my life as the preacher. We are obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. On earth, it's about getting more, more, more. So we love the things of the world more than the things of God. And my encouragement to you, church, is this. Don't get so fixated on earth because we're not staying here long. We're just passing through. Oh, I love the old saints. They used to pin the words to the worship songs. They're called hymns, and that's why we do a lot of hymns here. We tie them in because I love the words of them. And they, they, they would say, sing songs like, we are just strangers passing by. We, we, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And one day we will leave this earth and we will take nothing with us except that which we did for Jesus in all of eternity. We will be with the people that we impacted on earth in eternity, forever and ever and ever. You're not taking that house. I know it was a big deal to break that curse in your family to be the first one to buy a house, the first one to get a college education, and we're proud of you, and you can do anything you put your mind to do. That's what that tells, but you ain't taking none of it with you. Your degrees, your edu- it ain't going with you. You ain't going to get up into heaven. They're going to be like, oh, do you have a master's, a bachelor's? What do you have? They're going to say, were you a doctor, a lawyer, a preacher? They're going to say, were you a faithful servant? Well done now. I'm preaching today. I feel like a pit bull today. Ready to bite the devil's ear off. This is what happens, devil. You mess with me and my family. (laughs) Number three, six indicators. We rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. (sighs) I wish I had time. (laughs) Um, We say, oh, it's not as bad as their sin. 
they're in the church and they do that. So I'm okay to do that. Hmm? We, we, it, we say things like, it's not hurting anyone. God understands. It's fine. And let me submit this to you today on this point. This, my friend, this point right here, this, my friend, is the breeding ground of all addiction. Who's Jesus talking to in the text? The church. This, my friend, is the breeding ground to all addiction within the life of a believer. I'm not talking about lost people. Jesus wasn't, he was talking to a church like fuel. This is the breeding ground of all addiction. We rationalize sin and say it's not as bad as what they're doing and it's not as bad as what I used to do. And eventually we get enslaved and enchained in addiction. That was for somebody. Probably watching online. Number four, we believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. You know, the stat, Barna Church stat said 95% of Christians have never shared their faith. That means nine out of 10 of you have never shared your faith. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Only one of you right here have ever shared your faith. Speaking. 95% of Christians. Hmm? I don't find it in here that we're called to be secret agent Christians. I'm undercover for Jesus. <laughs> I'm FBI for Jesus. I'm special ops for Jesus. No. He said, go up on that hill and let your light shine, baby. Because there's going to be a lot of darkness around you. Go ahead and let it shine. Go ahead and let them know. We are unashamed. What, what, what does it say? I am unashamed, Paul said, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm unashamed of Jesus in my school. I'm unashamed at my workplace. I'm unashamed on my social media. It don't matter where I go. I'm going to declare Jesus is king. He's king. Number five, number five, we only turn to God when we need him. Wow, that's so true in my life, guys. How many times have I made God this spiritual genie that I rub and ask for three wishes that I call three prayers? God, will you, if, if you do this for me, God, I need you to do this. And how many times I come to him like he's a spiritual vending machine and I put my prayer in the slot and I put blessing number six. Let me get that on the way home. B6. And how many times do I only run to him when I need something? I'm having a bad day. God, I need you. I need more money. God, help me. My marriage is falling apart. God, help me. God, help me. It's Sunday and Chick-fil-A's closed. <laughs> help me, Lord. Number six. Number six. We're just not much different from the world. Spiritual indifference. What would Jesus undo? He would undo our spiritual indifference. And the last indicator is huge because if we can't tell you apart from the world, there's a problem with you, not the world. The world is the world. The world sins. They are sinners. Sinners sin. Is what they do. But if we put you beside someone who is unsaved and we cannot tell the difference, herein is an indicator of lukewarm Christianity. For 
watching the same movies, listening to the same music, watching the same shows on Netflix. We're going to the same environments. I mean, we go, we raise our kids the same as them. We're not much different than the world. You know, it used to be the divorce rate was higher in the world than the church. Now it's the same. And not bashing divorce, okay? There are certain things, circumstances, right? For that. And God redeems and restores, amen? We have people in our leadership went through that. God has restored. And, but the fact that it's the same percentage in the church, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, church. We don't look much different. Our morals aren't much different. Our values aren't much different. This is an indicator. When people can walk into your home and maybe your kids' friends or other people who are unsaved and they don't feel any different walking into your home versus their home that is ungodly and says words and plays certain movies and music and certain attitudes are allowed and they walk into your home and it's the same, that shouldn't be. The great theologian A.W. Tozer said this, and I quote, one compromise here, another there, and soon enough, the so-called Christian in the man, and the man in the world look the same. One compromise here, another there, and soon enough, the so-called Christian and the man in the world look the same. What would Jesus undo? Spiritual indifference. Spiritual indifference. It doesn't just break his heart. It makes him sick. He's sick to his stomach over his church going through the motions of Christianity but denying the power to live it and walk it out. And he's calling his church back. I said he's calling his church back and I get to tell you what he's calling you back to. I get to tell you that the passion and fire of God is going to come back in some of your hearts like never before. Some of you had it pre-COVID. And you lost it. You lost it. You stepped over the boundaries. You allowed certain things back into your life. And God's saying it's time to get it back. It's time to get the passion back. It's time to get the fire back. No more lukewarm living. Oh, you're saved. You're going to heaven. But he didn't call us to live lukewarm. If we're here to reach a world, how many know we got to look different and talk different and act different? inside and outside the church. So I'm over time, but will you allow me to go a few minutes over time? I'm almost done, but I'm not done yet. So now I need to give you the action step. What do we need to do, pastor? Here's what we need to do to reignite the spiritual fire. Now the normal preacher answer to me for this message would be get back in your prayer life, right? Get back in your word. Your first 15 that we've always talked about. Get back to your worship. Get back to giving. Get in a group. Repent. All those are great. And I encourage them. And they will promote your spiritual growth. But I just want to give you one action. Somebody say one. One action to encourage you every day this week and moving forward. One action is this. Every day. Someone say every day. Do something that requires faith requires faith. Watch this. Watch this. Everything in the kingdom operates 
by the currency of faith. You got saved by faith. You didn't see the cross. You didn't see your sins on that cross, but you believe this gospel that it did happen. And by faith, you received him into your life and the spiritual heart transformation began to take place that you did not see with the naked eye, but you see now with the spiritual eye. I'm here to tell you, it takes a lot of faith to serve Jesus. And you got it. And so it's faith that pleases them. So I believe one small act of faith every day will be the pieces of wood that reignites the spiritual fire in your life. So I'm going to encourage you every day to do this because scripture has a lot of stuff to say about faith to the scriptures that are key. Hebrews eleven sixteen says without faith, it's impossible. You can't do it. It'll never happen. It's impossible to please God without faith. And then James 2.17 says, faith, if it doesn't have works or corresponding action by itself, is ineffective. So, 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 every week you hear the word. And what do I ask you to do? Take an action step. That's the faith, right? Apply the message you heard. We're, we're not, Jesus didn't call us just to be hearers of the word, to gather. Oh, that was great. Great word, pastor. No, now, now we got to apply it. He said, so don't be just hearers only, but you got to be doers of the word. Someone say, I'm a doer. Come on. Someone say, I'm a doer. So every day I'm going to encourage you to do something that requires faith. For some of you, it's going to be to stand up for something, even though you may be mocked at work. To stand up for the first time, they're going to know that you're a Christian because right now they don't know you're a secret agent Christian. And, and you're not going to laugh at their dirty jokes. And you're not going to listen to their dirty music. And you're going to say, no, I don't want that in my spirit anymore. That used to be me. I used to be that person. But, and they're going to mock you and laugh at you and call you a Bible thumper and a Jesus freak. Who cares? Are you there to please them or there to please God? I don't care what people think about me anymore. Maybe it's my age now. I don't know. I just don't care. I don't care what you think about me. I care what he thinks about me and what my wife right here on the front row does. That's it. For somebody, for somebody, it's going to be a step of faith, a step of faith to apologize to that person who hurt you without them coming to you first. You're going to go to them. For, for, for others, for others in here, it's you actually for the first time this semester, you're going to volunteer to pray out loud in that small group. And that's going to be your act of faith. And that's going to be what reignites the passion. And causes the lukewarmness to leave. It's one small act of faith after the other. One small. Monday I'm doing something different. On Tuesday I'm doing something different. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me on Wednesday? And then by the end of the week, the foundation of faith is just getting stronger and bigger. And the passion and the zeal comes back. And now you're like, is it Sunday yet? Where's that preacher? What he got to say to me today? you beating everyone to church you in the parking lot praying over the church praying over the people showing up early staying late for, for someone else is to reach out to somebody God put on your heart who's going through something and he's going to show you for someone else it's getting rid of some media on your phone on your iPad on your TV that you know is holding you back from that spiritual fire you know that show you shouldn't be watching you've known it the whole time but you just keep pressing play to the next episode For some of you, it's a step of faith. You're going to look at that 
and say, today, you're not controlling me. You're going to open the cabinet and say, today, you're not controlling me. I'm pouring you out. No. For somebody, that's an act of faith today. And I'm going to tell you this. God will be pleased with that act of faith. And he will honor that. He loves you. You hear me, people that are struggling with addiction. He loves you. He loves you so much. He's not giving up on you. And I'm here to tell you this. This preacher ain't never giving up on you. This church ain't ever giving up on you. That's what we do here. That's who we are. For others, for others, you're going to sit down with your family and actually reprioritize your schedules because they're out of whack. You don't know where your kids are half the time. You don't. You don't know what they're eating. Let me tell you, candy bars. You, when's the last time you had a family meal and actually prayed over the meal together? Can't remember. So you're going to go to your family and you're going to reprioritize schedules. For some of you, you're going to step out with one small act of faith and you're going to begin to pray bold prayers like you used to when you first got saved. Like, God, there's a dream in me and there's a passion and I know I'm called for more than this job. So God, rebirth that vision within me. Rebirth that dream within me. And I believe with God all things are possible. And you're going to restore that faith of praying bold prayers. God didn't call us to pray small, little prayers. He called us to pray bold, audacious, faith-filled prayers. Come on. But someone else, someone else, you're going to step out and you're going to attempt to do something you can never do without God's help. And your, 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 your knees are going to be shaken. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can. You're going to, and he said, I'm going to order your steps. I'm going to order your steps. You're exactly where you need to be. Because when you come to the end of yourself, you come to the beginning of me. You got to die to yourself and trust me that I know the beginning from the end. Is anybody hearing this today? For someone else, you're in here. There's, there's hundreds of you in here on this one. For the first time ever, you're actually going to sign up for a small group and attend. That's a big step. That's a step for some of you. And I want to tell you, God is proud of you as you do that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're going to go through those 10 weeks and you're going to be like, my Lord, why didn't I do this years ago? Why didn't I get a group? Why didn't I get this fellowship? This is awesome. We talk about God. We talk about our struggles and they pray for me and I pray for them and we eat a lot of food. (laughs) It's awesome. I'm getting big, but it's awesome. Every day, do something that requires faith. And when we're living by faith, here's what happens. Instead of being consumed by what people think, now we are more concerned about what God thinks. Now suddenly we're living for what what will last and not what is temporary. Then instead of rationalizing sin, we actually confess the sin because we know he's faithful and just. And it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And then, and then we become bold in the spirit and now we're sharing our faith. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Yep, call me what you want, but it's changed my life. Call me, say what you want, but Jesus and that church has helped me grow spiritually. So it don't matter what you say. And then actually we're going to turn to God daily. It's not going to be just whenever we need him. My name's Jimmy, gimme, 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 God. No, now it's a daily. I need you, God, every day. 
You wake up every day and you say, God, thank you for breath in my lungs. Thank you for my wife, my kids. Thank you that I'm alive another day. Somebody didn't wake up today. Somebody's in the hospital today, but I'm alive. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Then you're going to realize, watch, do this for one week and I guarantee you, it changes your life. One week, you're going to realize I'm different than the world. I'm not called to fit in. I'm called to stand out. Why are you trying to fit in when you were called to stand out? Why are you trying to fit in when you were called to stand out? What would Jesus undo? Spiritual indifference. I close with this last scripture and I'm telling the truth. Revelation 3.19. This is the words of Jesus. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from what? Bow your heads with me. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you for speaking to us. We feel your presence here so strong. We feel it in this room. I know it's flowing online for everyone watching, listening. We thank you. You're a loving God. You correct and discipline those you love. We're grateful for the word because the word changes us. We get messed up in this world and we believe the lies of culture and we need the truth of your word and that's why we're here today and we thank you that no matter where we're at in our walk many of us may find ourselves in that condition of lukewarmness like the church of Laodicea but Lord we we know today that we're called to take some steps of faith and Holy Spirit we ask you to show us show us today we're not waiting until tomorrow morning. Show us today the changes that we can make. Show us tomorrow then the, the one step of faith we can make that will build the foundation of faith once again so that the spiritual fervency would come back in our lives so that we would continue to burn for you, Jesus, until we leave this earth. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us through this message? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message. That's our prayer today. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we want to give you an opportunity, those in the building and those watching online, to make Jesus the Lord of their life. I don't know where you are, friend. I don't know what you've been searching for. I don't know what you've done, but he knows all about you and he loves you the way you are, but he loves you so much that he's willing to walk with you to see life change happen in your life. So if you're here today, you're watching online as well, and you don't know God, you don't have that personal relationship with him, you've never put your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins, I wanna invite you to a prayer that we're all gonna pray with you in just a moment. Also, I'm talking to Christians out here, Christians who have fallen away. Maybe you are. You said, that's me, I'm lukewarm. Man, I used to be on fire, but I've allowed the things, the world to come in, but today I wanna make it right. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to call you out, anything like that. I just wanna see who I'm praying for and then we're all collectively gonna pray this prayer of salvation. So if you're here today, you're in the building right now, raise your hand, raise your hand. You're in the chat, go ahead and raise that hand. Thank you for all the hands going up all over from the front to the back. Yep, hands are still going up. Hands are, if you feel God speaking, go ahead, throw that hand up. You're ready to recommit. You're ready for the fire to come back. Yep, yep, yep. You're ready to turn to God for the very first time. Raise that hand in the chat. Someone's there ready to pray with you right now. Let's all say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I believe 
that you are the son of God. And I believe that you died upon the cross for my sins. I repent of those sins today and I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Somebody put your hands together. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You can take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.